But it's just airplanes, so it's not, it's it's, not really no this is This is the best seat now. It's, it's got a runway in the front yard. <laughs> and welcome back to Sun and Fun 2016, our 42nd annual event. It has been an outstanding week. We still have a few more hours. We're going to make it. Been a great week and a lot of great stuff. Years and years ago, way, way before the Sun and Fun Radio was even thought of, I made friends with a media rep. I was a volunteer in the media center. I was one of Bonnie Higby's news hounds. I made friends with a guy, and, and we got to be, see each other each year, and each year we got to be closer and closer, and we, were, we got to be brothers. We, and he and his, and his lovely wife at the time got to be close friends of mine. After about knowing me, I think he waited about 15 years that we knew each other before he actually came right out and asked me. And he said, you know, we do this, this aviation podcast thing, and, and we'd, like to, you know, we'd like to do one at, at the radio station live during the flying. And I thought, well, that would be, that'd be pretty cool. So 2007, in the middle of the week, we did our very first live aviation podcast on Sun and Fun Radio. It worked out so well that our friends to the north saw him, and they said, we like what you did, but we want you to do it twice. And then they came back to me the next year in 2008 and said, we'd like to do what we did up north. We want to do an opening day in the evening. Let us get here in the day and experience the event and give our thoughts on it. And then we want to do a wrap-up episode in the morning on the last day. And it worked out to be such a wonderfully symbiotic relationship. Having them talk about us before the show and after the show and having us talk about them, and it, it led to growth for both of us that wouldn't have happened had we not teamed up and did this. So every year, opening day in the evening, closing day in the morning, we turn control of the radio station microphones and deck over to the gentleman from the Uncontrolled Airspace General Aviation Podcast. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that time has come where I chase my announcers off the deck, and I stand back and, and smack my head a lot, face palm a lot. Yeah, it's precarious. Breath. It's precarious. Yeah, very precarious. Now, I, I understand that. Now, normally, those of you who are uncontrolled airspace listeners, you are used to hearing three normal voices, but one of the trio is off in China being an aviation writer, which is what he does very well, which, you know... All of you do very, all three of you are excellent writers. So I am going to not delay and not eat up any more of their time. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my great privilege to introduce my friends, Jack Hodgson, Dave Higdon, with the Uncontrolled Airspace General Aviation Podcast. Take it away, Jack. Thank you, David. Thank you, David. I appreciate it. Welcome, folks, to Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. I'm Jack Hodgson, and uh, I'm here with my good friend Dave Higdon, and we are uh, in one of our favorite places on Earth. We are doing this episode live, on location, from the 2016 edition of the Sun and Fun Fly-In. We're here on the radio station deck, and uh, it's just been a terrific week. I'm here with my good friend Dave Higdon. Hi, Dave. How you doing? Oh, been lovely. Uh, doing really great this morning. We uh, stayed on the field last night, watched a tremendous night air show, uh, just gorgeous fireworks uh, display after that. Uh, that night air show shows you some things that you just can't see in the daylight, and watching everything from Manfred Radius with his sailplane act to uh, the subsonics lighting up the sky with the LEDs down the fuselage, uh, too many accidents. 
to to yeah there was a lot right of fun off, stuff a lot it, of fun stuff there there last was a night. crowd here last night and the weather could not have been nicer for it so uh, we've got a guy here I know that's uh, yeah. enjoying the fact that it's gone so well this week. I know. And before we say hi to our guests, one little bit of business here, and that is to explain that our th- our, our third half, Jeb Burnside, uh, normally with us on the podcast, is not with us this morning uh, because he had to go to China. You know, it's a tough life, right? But uh, he's off uh, covering the uh, A-Base show uh, in China today. And uh, I have this fantasy that he's listening live on the, uh, on the Internet stream, but probably not because it's the yeah, middle it's of the night. L- wrong time of day for him over there. But, uh, Jeb, shout out to you. Hope it's going well at A-Base. <laughs> and uh, we'd be glad to have you back the next time and uh, pick up the more normal routine. There you go. For us, it's yeah. an abnormal yeah. routine. But we're very pleased to be joined this morning by the uh, president and CEO of Sun and Fun, John Renouts. Lights, how you doing? Jack, I'm doing absolutely fantastic. As you well know, we've had a phenomenal week. I have to tell you, and I, this is my 10th or 11th Sun and Fun, and they're all nice and pleasant and, and, and enjoyable. Um, but this perhaps is the most enjoyable I've had so far. This has just been a wonderful week. Congratulations. Well, thank you very much. We're, uh, I, I would tell you that we uh, were able to get our chaplain to cut a deal with the man upstairs to get the weather. But, uh, quite frankly, we got a lot of good luck. Uh, but the rest of the story is a lot of great men and women put a tremendous amount of effort into making it what it is today. Ain't that the truth? Yeah. So if you think back five, six, seven years ago, what this campus looked like and what the attitude was, the atmosphere... That sets the tone of how the show goes. And you're right. What you saw this week is the culmination of a lot of people's efforts to, reach, to redirect the course of this great uh, event, the ship as I call it, uh, into a path that has got a much more promising future because we're thinking that it, the most, most important part of the entire event are the people, mm-hmm. first and foremost. Absolutely. And the attitude of the people that present the show to you such that atmosphere of, hi, how are you doing? Glad to have you here. And as you all know, everybody wears this button, and we really mean it. Yep. How do we help you? How do we help you attain your goals, of whether it be a radio station, a podcast, a vendor selling his product, somebody showing off a new airplane, or just coming here to enjoy the air show? We want you to enjoy this and experience what true aviation is all about. It's about great people coming together. We're not the average human being aviators are a special breed and if we don't act like a special breed we're going to lose that image and we've had a tough time over the last 20 years creating an image of excitement in aviation and what has happened we didn't make enough so we're all here with one major goal is to build back the aviation career field yeah, you absolutely. have an army of volunteers that work this lights uh, do you have a, an approximate head count of how many it takes to put this on 3,500, and uh, that's what comes in for the week. But what a lot of people don't know is we have what we call year-round volunteers because we do all kinds of events throughout the year now. So we'll have typically about 100 or so that are here constantly, and then we add another 200 from January all the way until the show starts. So 300 folks starting in January, and it ramps up to over 3,500 for the week. So there you go. It can't get done without those great volunteers. And they really work uh, a, a broad spectrum of aviation here, from Choppertown, the Warbirds, the uh, Paradise City changes, by the way, mm-hmm. are just great. Yeah, it's it's so good to see so much more yeah. life. Paradise there. City has become more and more every year for the last, well, 
five or six years. It kind of was at a place about five, six, seven, whatever it was, seven years ago, and uh, it's really made a comeback over there. Um, a lot of fun stuff going on there. A lot of great flying, and a, a quite a variety of airplanes on the on that runway this year compared even to last year. Oh, absolutely, and uh, quite candidly. That was a, uh, a decision we made to move the light sport display area out of the southeast exhibit area and move it down to the runway, that being Paradise City, and to make that a more robust area. Of course, it, it helped that we made the road go down through there, more accessible, uh, and then we got the chairman on board with having a more uh, active flying activities out there and bringing people down to see it. And I'll tell you, last year I went down there. I go down there. I go everywhere all over the, the event. Well, I was down there last year, and they said, hey, do you want to go for a ride? And I said, sure, I, I got a couple of minutes. Let's go for one. And so he said, well, I'm going to put you over here in this uh, TF-51. All right. So uh, all right. Yeah. From Titan. From Titan. And I got into that thing, and I'm thinking, uh, this is not a good idea. Because it's a little bitty airplane and stubby little wings, and the guy in the front that's going to fly this thing is 350 pounds if he's an ounce. And I'm thinking, oh, man, I'm going to be right in my epitaph right now as we taxi out to the other road. So I even asked him at the whole show, I says, can you really get this thing airborne in this 1,400 feet? He says, ah, I only need about 400 feet. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you what. When he ran that throttle up, I held on, and we were in a, we were in a rocket ship at 45 degrees, nose up, climbing out, accelerating within a matter of seconds. And yeah. I went, holy macaronis. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Hey, coming back to this year's show for a second here, I want to put you on the spot for just a second. And tell me, what are, are there any particular happenings this week that stand out for you from your perspective? Yeah, I'll tell you what really stood out in my mind. Um, we have our attendance this year was on par with what we had last year. Remember, we had a jet team. We had our good friends, the Thunderbirds, in. And that usually brings in about 15% more than a, a year without it. Well, this year, even without them, we had that attendance. And you say, well, that, that's kind of interesting. Well, what's really interesting is the ratio of observers to aviation professionals has reversed. For the last 10 years or so, we've had more people here that were lookers, that were interested in aviation, that came for the air show, that came for the, I won't say the carnival, but the fair kind of atmosphere. This year, world reversed. We had the aviation community back, the pilots, the mechanics, the engineers, the real aviation fans. So two things happened with that. One, they came and stayed longer because they're here to see more and do more with the exhibitors. And they were a buying community. I've uh, had a chance to interview several of the exhibitors out here and the vendors, and they're ecstatic. This is the, one of the best years they've had in two decades. Uh, we've had a couple of vendors that, well, there's a lot of vendors that have sold out all their products within the first three or four days. And they, were, they said they've never seen that before. It's a change in the atmosphere, gas prices. Of course, we had good weather. But I truly believe our efforts to make this a pilot experience while engaging the general public, is working. We took a lot of our advertising dollars that we normally would put into the local TV stations and rolled it into national and international print ads and social media. And that's gotten a big following. I mean, good heavens, we're, we've exceeded even uh, everybody's wildest expectation. 360-some thousand people following us on Facebook, and over 20% are, are reengaging that. That's incredible. Nobody does that. Yeah. You all have experienced uh, some tough times in the past. There, were, uh, there was a little bit of a financial hole. Uh, <laughs> a little? A little, yeah. <laughs> well, we try not to overstate things too much. How do you describe bankruptcy? 
you all managed to not only fill in that hole, and, but you developed a surplus, but at the same time you expanded facilities on the campus, added to it, reorganized it, and rolled money back in, and still had money left over. Uh, that's quite an accomplishment. Any for-profit business would be just thrilled at it, but to do it for a not-for-profit educational foundation like this, I think is truly amazing. Well, the first thing that had to be done once we identified the problem was uh, you had to tell the truth, okay? Uh, the the, the uh, staff was totally unaware of the financial challenges that were, uh, they were living in. Uh, they were being paid from a credit card, okay? The debt was uh, exorbitant. It was uh, bankruptcy on the verge of, and the only way you're going to get out of that is you've got to change the culture because it was a total mismanagement of the finances. They made a lot of money. It just was not going to the right places. So uh, the, uh, the first step was to identify the problem and then to acknowledge it as a team effort that we can't do this by ourselves. We've all got to get in. And if you don't like what you're hearing, it's time for you to leave. And if, you, if you're going to stay, you're going to work harder. You're going to work longer. And nobody's going to get a pay raise. There are, there's no bonuses in this game, guys. And we're going to all have to row together really hard to dig out of this, this huge deficit we got. And when we did that, we changed the philosophy from OPM, other people's money, to OM. <laughs> it's our money. And if you, don't, if, you don't, if you don't husband it, there won't be any. So we got our finances in order. And once that happened, you'd be amazed. And it's just like anything in life. Nobody wants to help that wandering dog that's sitting out there that's not doing anything for itself. But when you find somebody that's really working hard and just trying to get things done right, you want to help them. Well, people came to our rescue. As soon as they saw that we were responsible and accountable and we were managing our finances, we had people come out of the woodwork to give us a hand to get this thing jump-started. And once we got it going, it's been a, just, it's been a phenomenal journey to get to where we're at now, which we're totally, completely debt-free and have money in the bank for the first time ever in Summit Fund's incredible history and able to give over $500,000 every year back into aviation scholarships as well as $2 million a year we put in maintaining an aerospace center for excellence that allows us to do all kinds of aviation activities year-round as, as our goal is, is to capture those 8-, 9-, 10-year-old young men and women, get them interested in it through a summer camp and weekend events where we bring them out here and expose them to it, then get them into our high school, get them into our flying club, get them a private pilot license, get them an AMP license, get them excited about engineering, designing airplanes, and then roll them into a high school flying club, and then roll them right on into Polk State or whatever college they want to go to, but a college with an aviation-oriented degree. Yeah, well, that's great. I'm a believer that uh, the top sets the tone. And having been attending Sun and Fun through a, a variety of managements over the years, when you showed up, there were, uh, of course, questions. A retired military guy, how's that going to go over? They didn't think it was going to go so well. <laughs> well, it was a question mark. And having suffered through some management changes in the past where it didn't go so well, of course, everybody's kind of got a conditioned reflex that uh, <laughs> makes them wary of change. But like you so changed the, at the atmosphere here, the attitude, the energy when you came on board. I know you can't do this alone. I know you don't do this alone. But that tone starts at the top, and you've managed to make that percolate all the way down to the volunteer level in a way that I've not seen in, in, in almost 40 years of coming here. And my hat's off to you yeah. for that. Here, here. 
Here, here. Lights, thank, thank you. you, sir. We, we promised we'd get you out of here, and we already kept you a little bit longer. But before I let you go, what's in the future for Sun and Fun, the organization? Well, our goal is not uh, to become some mega monster aviation uh, entity. It's to be a good quality example for others to emulate and copy around the world, around the nation, to replicate what we've done here, which is a community coming together, the aviation community, the local community, because we've brought in and affiliated now more closely with the city of Lakeland, the county of Polk, and the state of Florida now recognizes us as their own major aviation convention. And get the, show the other organizations that if you work as a team with partners, you can replicate what we've got here, which is to build something uh, with monies that are donated, then turn around and rent that, lease that, create revenues, put that money into good use, create events where you can actually pay for the pay forward for students to get into the flight program or to an aviation career field, uh, and and let them know that this is this is really about uh, all of the nation working one little piece at a time to come come back and bring the aviation community back together. When I go around and talk to the exhibitors, they say, well, you know, now they know the story. They're like, well, what can I do to help? And I said, fine, just get in there and get do something. Uh, my go flight, I'm wearing a jacket from theirs. They said, well, I'll give you a $200 gift certificate for every kid that gets a, a license. We've done 47. We'll be doing two a month because that's our goal. Nobody thought you could do that. But when people come together, we're showing we can do it. So the next step in this is we would really like to have a campus that has dormitories, and we can bring them in from all over the world for two, three, four months to get into the program and then keep moving. That's great. That's great. Lights, thanks so much yeah. for coming by this morning. We, and we, we know you're uh, kind of a nonstop energy machine here, and uh, we appreciate <laughs> you taking the time to detour through our little program. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. Jack, Dave, thank you all so very much. You're very, very welcome. John Lights, Lean Out, the president and CEO of Sun and Fun and the Sun and Fun Fly, and thanks very much. Congratulations to you and all of your team for a great week. We, uh, we now have actually been sitting with us and, and uh, enjoying that conversation. I hope enjoying, but I was enjoying it. Uh, uh, Jamie Beckett from, uh, well, these days from AOPA, and uh, an old friend of the podcast and of ours. Oh, and, uh, published author, you know, a pilot, uh, instructor. Right. Uh, a recovering county politician, you know. Ne'er-do-well in general. <laughs> <laughs> Recovering is the key. Yeah, phrase. right. Yeah, you know, it's like I, I haven't run for anything recently, and you know, I haven't run. For, how how would they say it? They say I haven't run for anything today. Tomorrow we'll see. You know, and so. I'm not now, nor do I anticipate <laughs> yeah, being a right. candidate in the future. <laughs> Hi, Jamie. How you doing? I'm doing great. This is such a good show. It's always good to see you all. But I got to back up what Light says. This has been the most compelling, exciting, maybe best sun and fun I have ever been to. And I'll tell you the thing I'm really happy about. I work at the You Can Fly Pavilion over there at the AOPA campus. We've been having people in their teens and 20s and 30s coming in every single day talking about, hey, you guys are talking about flying clubs and how can I get involved with them? I just got my license. How can I stay in aviation and make it affordable? I've never had these questions in the past. I'm really excited about what our future looks like. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your role over there. You, so you hang out near, you actually possess one of the yellow 150s. And, I do. And uh, you, you spend a lot of time uh, traveling around uh, with that airplane and talking with folks. And, and you've been doing kind of a, a, a what, probably a, a, a concentrated version of that this week. Um, what, what kinds of things do you talk about with them over there? You know, my job title is ambassador with AOPA, and I'm part of the You Can Fly initiative, which is just flat-out brilliant. Mark Baker put us on this 
track where really there's people like me. That I'm here in Florida. Pat Brown is in the Texas Triangle. Case Underham is in Southern California. Sean Collins is in New England. We're bringing on somebody in the Great Lakes later on this year. Being able to have somebody in the field who can come up to your EAA chapter, your FBO, your flight school, or just your group of friends at high school, and saying, this is how a flying club works, and this is how you could put it together, and this is how you could cut costs. And, you know, when I started talking about this four years ago or so, before I was with AOPA, people didn't believe me. And I, I share my personal story now, and, and you know this. I belong to a flying club in my town. I've got two airplanes in the hangar that I own. I've got an executive hangar, bathroom, tiki bar, grill, 42-inch TV, refrigerator that's stocked with soda and beer and water, and I pay, Dave, $55 a month for that. That's what clubs can do for you. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. And you're like lights in so many ways. You bring an energy level and, and, and an enthusiasm that is infectious and we can't move forward without that kind of energy. Well, thanks. And, you know, it's it's legitimate. I, this is not an act. I really believe in this. I have a passion for it. I have an evangelical zeal for what we're doing. And I actually live this lifestyle as, as we all do. The great thing is, I think for the first time in my career, we can go up to a 15-year-old kid and say, you can get into this if you want to, and you could stay into it. One of the most exciting things that happens to me here is that rusty pilot presentation we did yesterday morning mm-hmm. it starts at seven thirty on a saturday morning and that tent is packed really that's great and you know what i never expected to find there i expected to find the 70 year old guy who you know just retired and now he's got time to fly again i didn't expect to find the 30 year old woman who stopped flying in college and is now thinking of getting back and i sure didn't expect to find the 30-year airline pilot who's just retired and has no idea how to get into a 172 at a non-towered field and get out to the runway yeah it's you mean it's the dispatch fantastic. office isn't helping him with that <laughs> you know that's the thing we have such a diverse group of individuals involved in this and ga becomes more and more palatable more and more affordable and i i think i've made this point to you before and i really believe it I think we're on the cusp of a golden age because there are thousands of used airframes that are inexpensive. I bought a 150 last year for $11,000. Mm-hmm. It's a perfectly good airplane. Having that out there and then having assistance where we can walk you right through the process of starting a club, a, cl- a flying club, mm-hmm. thank you, Easy for last you to day. Say. Uh, you know, when you've got that and you can spread that $25,000 aircraft over the cost over 10, 12, 15 people, and I'll tell you, I had always heard 15 people is the maximum. After that, you need another airplane. Fort Myers Flying Club has 150 members, three airplanes, no scheduling problems. There you you really can do this. Okay, yeah. And, and AOPA has programs that are providing a lot of assistance and support to people who are trying to create flying clubs, yes? We absolutely do. And, and if you're uh, totally confused and you have nowhere, no idea where to go, you can call the AOPA number, the main desk, and just say, I'm trying to start a flying club and don't know how. My peers and I, the ambassadors, we're the, we're the consultant you don't pay. We'll talk to you on the phone. We'll email you. We'll show up at your house. We'll do whatever we need to do to help you become successful putting this together and making it work for the long term. And that's the name of the, the, the gig, isn't it? You can fly. It is. It, you really can fly. You can afford to do this. If you work at McDonald's, you can afford to do this for the first time ever. I believe that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as I say, I'm paying $55 a month. You really can do this. 
Yeah. Jamie, fantastic. Yeah. Um, we've got a couple minutes before you need to take a break here, but uh, what's going on personally? So you're, you're, you're collecting airplanes. How many do you own now? I own three now. I have a 150 that I leased to the high school flying club up here. Yep. And I'll tell you, this club is fantastic on the field. I, I've met some folks who want to find out how to put together a club like that. I take them up and introduce them to Mike Z. They'll share the information. Nothing proprietary here. I also own a 172 that I leased to my flying club. And recently, I did purchase a 1940 J3 Cub which may be the stupidest airplane ever built, all you can do is become a really good pilot and have a lot of fun. It doesn't do anything Why else. would anybody want that? <laughs> I know. <laughs> and I'll tell you, what I love about that Cub, I can go fly that thing for an hour, come home, put $15 worth of gas in it, and I'm done. Yeah. I love that airplane. We saw you at Sebring right after you right. picked that up, and its boy was bouncing around like a kid on Christmas morning. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to contain the excitement, but you know, Dave, I work in aviation. It's hard. I Jamie, love this. I've never known you'd be able to contain any enthusiasm. <laughs> so it's uh, yeah. So you've owned three airplanes, but you know there is a proven standard of how many airplanes a, a person should own. All right, there's one more. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm looking. Okay. <laughs> My wife is lobbying for the DC-3. We'll get together next yeah. year and see what happens. Hey, listen, if if you've got a wife who's lobbying for you to buy any airplane, you're a winner in oh, so many oh, yeah. ways. That's great. Head of the game. Jamie, thanks so much for coming by. Appreciate your coming by. And I know you're real busy. You've got to run off. and, and you're, where, Tell us where you're going now. You're going. I'm going to the announcer stand going to, to announce stand. as the Yingling Ascend 172 zips by in the famous Cessna medium speed pass. <laughs> and the crowd can enjoy that. And that's a, that's a product out of Wichita, Kansas. It sure it, is. Both at the beginning and at the end. And I have to tell you, just before I leave you, there is one over here, an Ascend 172 by Yingling. The Yingling phones are there. And they will tell you, they're holding a very special raffle. There's one ticket. It's $183,000, but you have a very good chance of winning the top prize. <laughs> Jamie, we'll see you uh, up north later this year. You got it. I'll yep. be there. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks we really for coming. Appreciate it. Thanks, We're going to take a break. We're going to be joined after the break by another pal of ours, uh, Roy Byswinger from uh, uh, Powered Sport Flying and a whole bunch of other things. We're going to catch up on, on and we're going to commiserate about the backseat award a little bit, too. So, uh, anyways, uh, we're going to take a break now. You're listening to a special episode of Uncontrolled Airspace on Sun and Fun Radio. And now back to the Sun and Fun Radio deck, brought to you in part by the listeners of Sun and Fun Radio. Welcome back. We're out here. This is a special episode of Uncontrolled Airspace Podcast from the 2016 edition of the Sun and Fun Fly-In. We're up here on the deck at Sun and Fun Radio, visiting with our good friends and uh, and talking about the week, talking about the air show. You David? can be hearing us on 1510 AM or on liveatc.net slash SNF. That's right. Uh, Roy Byswinger's joined us here. Hi, Roy. How are you doing? I am doing great. How about you guys? Actually, I know how good you're doing. You've been doing great all morning oh, so far. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. So uh, let's get this out of the way here. Uh, the, we, we collectively destroyed the Backseat Award. I don't know. Congratulations. We are very proud to have been recipients of the Backseat Award uh, up, in, up at the right. other fly-in up the road. And then, and then a few years after that, you won it. And uh, it's... Uh, I consider it a real a real honor, and yes. uh, um, and I uh, you know appreciate that that you for are. For those that don't know, the Backseat Award was the Gordon Baxter Trophy. Gordon was a longtime columnist for Flying Magazine, right? And after he uh, went to that great cockpit in the sky, uh, Flying Magazine created a, an award in his name. Yeah. 
coordinated with EAA and presented it, and we were fortunate enough to be the first uh, alternative media to, to win it, and I believe Roy won it the next year behind us. And I think it was the last alternative. Uh, yeah, sadly. You, I think you were the last winner, period. Sadly, yeah. they, and yeah. it had nothing to do with the fact that they decided to retire the reward after that. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, they, with all of us, they had reached the top of the pile, and there was no more. You I know, know, that's a really good way to look at it. I, I, I remember that. I shouldn't make light of it. I'm, I'm very proud of Be that. Be careful, uh, Jack. Your compound fracture your arm. All of our work. Like that. All of our work in promoting grassroots aviation. Um, what have you been up to? What's uh, what, what's your beat here this, this year uh, you and know, in general? Mostly... I have to say this is the second time I've been over to here to what we in Paradise City call the core area. Yep. I have been so busy and having so much fun over with the ultralights and the light sport and the gyroplanes and mm-hmm. all of that. Uh, it's been a great week over there. Well, it- Roy is the uh, editor of Powered Sport Flying Magazine, and uh, I think he may wind up being the only surviving publication in that niche. And uh, They put out a really pretty magazine every month. Uh, He's nice enough to have me on the list. Uh, But Roy's focus is very sharp, very tight, and he lives over in that Paradise City side because that's his constituency. It's a real happening place over there. We've we've commented a couple times on our dailies that that the whole Paradise City uh, operation, if you will, that that alone would be a really good sized fly in at any airport around America. There's just a lot of things going on over the exhibits yeah. and the flying activity and the attendees. It's it's really really exciting over there. It's it's great. It's been growing. Uh, I mean, it was and I and I you were talking to Lights earlier where he was mentioning that, and you guys were mentioning. I mean, we're just observing things had kind of ramped down a little bit and he's put a, an energy into it and there's an extended runway can't even use it all yet it's that fresh it's that new yes. but the, you know the runway's growing the the number of air, or the different categories of aircraft there was a little bit of grumbling by some of the air ops guys at first about having gyroplanes there because they just weren't familiar with them they have meshed perfectly and now gyros are a big part of what's going on on in paradise city um, you know, trike activity has been seen to be coming back. I mean, a lot of vendors over Air Creation was there. Uh, PNM was over there from, from Great Britain. Uh, we had Airborne Australia was there. We had uh, uh, Revo, a U.S. manufacturer. So, and, and then Jim Tiki with, I mean, it, they were just trikes are coming back big time yeah we had a double episode in the daily uh, about trike stuff this, right. this, this week so right. yeah I, yeah that's very cool had the wind over there cut into the uh, uh, powered parachute guy's ability to fly this week, particularly the foot launch guys? You know, believe it or not, the foot launch guys like a little bit of wind for launch, okay, because it helps kite. Um, and since their operations are typically early, early morning and late afternoon, they usually, most of the time this week, they've gotten their windows. Uh, a couple nights ago, they just put a fork in it and said, no, let, let the airplanes have it all. And I don't think the airplanes liked it that much either. But uh, for the most part, they've, they've actually been pretty active. That's yeah. great to hear. Uh, that's such, a, such an active place. Some folks may not realize that the only time the flying shuts down over there is during the daily air show. Right. Otherwise, it's... Uh, 
they're the dawn patrol over there. I come out of the campsite in the morning, stretch, scratch, scratch my neck, and look up to the southeast, and there you is. can see them in the pattern. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, you know everything over here. You know the, this the all of Sun and Fun is kind of a hands-on experience. If you want to go to forums and all, but the one place that's butts on, you know, where you could actually sit in a seat and go for a fly is over at Paradise City, and that's because there's a lot of demo flying going on. There's a lot of opportunities to be introduced in entirely different categories of aircraft. I mean, it could have a spinny wing or a, you know, a floaty wing. It'd have all kinds of wings. Um, a spinny wing or a floaty wing. There you go. <laughs> I like that a lot. I like that a lot. So we were mentioning your magazine, Powered yes, Sport Flying. What's this other big publication you've oh, got the, sitting the, here? The, 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 the big tome is was my... It's Roy's it's big book of no, that's on. That's right. It literally it's, is Roy's big book of powered parachuting. Although it literally on the cover it says Roy's Roy's powered parachute book by Roy Byswinger. Uh, everything you need to know to get your sport pilot license to fly. That's right. Uh, new concept for book, you know, for putting books together. It started out just as a powered parachute project, but it's actually. Uh, future issues will probably grow into something else here uh, because I've got airplane people and gyroplane people and uh, even in flight instructors wanting something along those lines. Um, it's, it's a one-book it's a one book process. The PTS is in there. It's beautiful. And yeah, it seems to have... It seems that you just packed chock full of information here. It's, it's got... Well, you know, I'm a flight instructor first. I mean, I, that's what I love doing. And I'm a designated pilot examiner. Uh, for, for the category. And what I really hate is watching people suffer when they come in for a uh, you know, for their flight exam. And so when they come in, uh-huh. you know, they, they get, they, they're able to bring whatever references they want. And they bring five, six books. They bring, I've seen people bring egg crate carts or milk crate carts yep. full of books. <laughs> and the problem is you can have all that information, but if you can't get to it, it doesn't do you any good. And I've seen them leave, th- you ask a question, basic question, but they're so nervous, they start going through ask you know through all of their things. Well, this puts it all in one place and indexes it. Yeah, sure. So you get a question, they can get to the answer. Yeah, this is great. I hope you're, not, hope you're not selling it by the pound. This is, I know. There's a lot of book here. All right? <laughs> and, uh, How many is. pages are, are, are in that tone? It's like 470. Yeah, and where would one get a copy of this? Uh, you can get it straight online, uh, poweredparachutebook.com. Uh, you could also pick it up on Amazon. Yeah, very very how long, cool. How how long were you working on this, Roy? It was for it, it. I had about three or four years into it, you know, around other projects, and then I kind of put it aside when uh, we became the publishers of Powered Sport Flying, and then revisited the project last summer, and then got everything wrapped up and finished. And what was nice about it is all the things I learned in the magazine world, I was able to throw back into the book, just like everything I'd learned from the book helped me be a better magazine layout guy. So, um, you know, what ends up happening, I, I, I really do believe that anybody could write a book, but what takes the time and the effort and the care, and at least in my case, was illustrating the book. There's, there's 470 pages there's about 470 photographs yeah, no. or images or tables or something like that going on in it's, there. It's really beautiful. Well, it, thank you for taking a few minutes to uh, stop by here. We, uh, we really appreciate it. And uh, congratulations on the book. Good luck thank with you. the magazine. Well, and, thanks uh, for everything. It was uh, great to be here. And you guys are you're doing great work. I just I actually I enjoyed coming early and listening to your other thank interviews. Thank you so much. Now I'm going to have to what? tune in when I get back to yeah, this. Yeah, that's right. So we yeah. look forward to the, uh, to the follow-on uh, 
to Roy's powered parachute book as you move on into the other segments of the light sport market. Yes, that's 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 certainly the hope and the dream. Yeah, terrific. Thank you very Good much. Luck. Thank, Thank you, you, Roy, Roy Swinger, uh, editor of uh, Powered Sport Flying. So we actually are starting to reach the end of our allotted time here, but I wanted to chat for a few minutes with uh, another friend of the podcast. Um, this is uh, Tim Etridge. Hi, Tim. How are you doing? I am. I'm doing fine. Now, anybody who's really paying attention and listened to the first half of our uh, episode 400 that we where, where uh, Jeb and Dave and I went flying all around Florida, um, we actually suddenly I suddenly realized we were about to fly overhead Tim's airport. Tim is uh, is based at a as just a wicked charming little grass strip um, in uh, Florida to just to the west. I think it's just to the, to the west of Orlando. Yeah, about an hour west of Orlando. Yeah, and uh, it's what's your airport called? Cheats. You, uh, I was shouting at my phone, Sheets, because yeah. you were trying to find out what, I, remember what it was. Like, I was. Sheets, but we Foxtrot Alpha 42, Sheets, and yeah. you finally found it. But it's a, describe the airport for us. It's a little grass strip, and what kind of activity is going on there? Well, right now, it's nothing but a hang gliding airport. We have a few general aviation aircraft there. My 150, which is one of the reasons you and I met, and uh, a couple other aircraft. But mostly, uh, 90%, it's hang gliding. We have uh, four or five tow planes there, and... Uh, couple people who have their hand gliders who live there up full time and most of our clients are people who bring their hand gliders down from the north to avoid the winter mm-hmm. so you're running tug operation there yeah what 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 tugs are you using um it's called a bailey Moyes dragonfly named after bob bailey who designs it who lives on the airport and uh bill Moyes, the australian hand glider manufacturer who does the the machining of the the parts in australia and they ship them the parts wherever you are, and Bobby Bailey will build it here, or other people will build it themselves elsewhere. Oh, Moyes is an old, old familiar name to me, from going back to the 70s. And he's, he's one of the pioneers in the hang gliding community. He's still alive. He's like, I think he's 88 now. He just had a birthday recently. He's an amazing guy. So those are hard-working little airplanes, but that's a really wonderful way to introduce somebody into uh, hang gliding because the, the tandem toes that they can do with uh, new students, it introduces them to how the whole apparatus works so much more quickly yeah. than when I learned at Dan Johnson's school in Chattanooga, which was lug it up about 200 feet up a hillside, catch your breath, hook in, run down, fly for 15 seconds, and then climb back up and do it from 250 up <laughs> and fly for 20 mm-hmm. seconds and then th- you know, through the process, it took a week to get to where I could fly off high enough to actually make a turn. <laughs> now, I've got a bone to pick with Jack, actually. Uh-oh, what I do now? Well, in the, uh, one of the earlier podcasts, you were talking about uh, Paradise City, how these, uh, those airplanes were showing off doing those 45 degree takeoffs. <laughs> okay, all right, yeah. The tow plane that I fly has 115 horsepower takeoff. It's turbocharged. We uh, get boost up to get close to 40. I try to limit it to 35 inches. Okay. And when I do a, just to go around before I tow somebody, just to make sure everything works right, I ease. I got a, nothing on this airplane except me and this huge engine pushing yeah. me in the back. Yeah. I easily reach 45-degree climb angles, just trying not to overspeed the thing. Okay. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's not showing off. It's just the way the aircraft operate, right? <laughs> it's just the way it is. It's, you know, it's standard operating procedure in some way. Yes. Well, the thing is designed to tow not only, you know, carry me, the pilot, but also... 
up to two people in a tandem hang glider back, so it has to have a lot of power. Yeah. And also it was designed to fly, it was specifically designed for its owing, it was designed to fly as slow as possible, which is what the hang glider wants, but have as much power as possible to do the work required. So it's got, I'm out in the breeze, it's like a lawn chair in the sky. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got huge flapperons and this huge engine, so it can fly extremely slow on, with extreme power, which is what's, what enabled hang gliding to come to Florida where all the good weather is. Yeah. yeah, and I remember living in Chattanooga, and the Florida pilots would come up to Lookout Mountain for someplace high enough to not need a, bo- uh, a boat tow. <laughs> yeah. we, uh, another thing we talked about in Episode 400 was uh, residential air parks, and we, we compared the Hidden River with uh, where Amy lives down near Fort Myer. Um, Sheets is sort of a, a residential air park of sorts. Um, another thing you and I have in common, Tim, is that we're fans of the uh, tiny house movement, and uh, apparently you guys are, are, are building some tiny houses down there? Yes, that? well, I'm, I'm the only one building it. Um, oh, okay. But I always said I'm a poor man's jib, because... I live on an airport in my house with my own airplane nearby, but it's just a Cessna 150 and an old one at that, and a tiny house, 8x12. Um, but, uh, but I live on the grass airport, and I can walk to my airplane or walk the runway. Yeah. Live yeah. in the dream. That's right. That's right. I apologize for being so rushed with you this morning. Um, I know another thing you do is you're into this whole beekeeping thing, right? That's pretty cool. I only have a couple minutes here, but just tell us quickly, you, what's that like? You like that. It's not really an aviation thing, but bees no, fly, I, right? Actually, I... Yeah, I got into more of an interest in nature. I don't really actually like honey. Um, I'm just more interested in you know doing good things for the environment and bees. So, I, well, you don't like honey, but you've brought me a sampler of well, five different home uh, home. What, what do you call it? Homemade honey, homebrew. Well, honey? it's just this is uh, backyard honey. Honey right? harvested from different yeah. sources, and that's why they're labeled A, B, C, and D, and E. And I'm yeah, going to let you it's sample be a, them. A blind taste test, and I'll report back, and um, I'll, then I'll tell you what they where they actually came. Very from. good. I'll do that, and then I'll report back. We may even talk about it on the podcast because we talk about weather. Why not, honey? Okay. <laughs> Anyways, thank you, Tim, for stopping by. I appreciate it, and uh, um, I, I'm looking forward to the next time I get a chance to visit your airport. I've been by one time. I think you were out of town, and I stopped by, and I was kind of checking the place out. But but it sounds like a great airport, and uh, you know. There should be more like it all around America. Thank you very much. Tim Ettridge. Thank you. Good luck. So, David, starting to wrap things up here. It's been uh, quite a week here at Sun and Fun. uh, Uh, You know, Jack, the the run-up to coming to this show and and some of the others kind of requires me and many others to compress their work schedule in advance of departing so that they're not stuck down here Mm -hmm. hunched over their computer doing things on the computer when they'd rather be outside so typically i'm about two-thirds worn out before i even get on the airplane to come down Mm -hmm. but the energy here perks you right up got right into it and it's just stunning to me how quickly these last seven days have passed yeah what are some of the highlights for you this week? What anything in particular stand out as uh, the things you've seen or announcements that have made or, or that sort of thing? Well, there are a couple of avionics announcements that intrigued me. The uh, EAA uh, Dynon uh, joint announcement about a supplemental type certificate. Yeah, that, that does sound pretty interesting. In. You think that's going to be a thing? I think it's definitely going to be a thing, and I think that Dynon is not going to be the last one to uh, you know work out a way to take that path. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, yeah. Garmin was even uh, at the press conference and uh, uh, kind of credited uh, EAA and Dynon for cracking open the door with the FAA. A uh, couple of new pieces of avionics here that uh, I'm interested in from a professional perspective for stories that I'm working on for AEA. 
as well as uh, shopping for some equipment for my project. That's right. Uh, Sporty's made a couple of announcements that are interesting, and we have a little bit of a bias towards one of them, but let me mention two of them that, that have stood out in my mind. One is um, Sporty's has announced a program that they're calling, I believe, the Breakdown Assistance Program. Um, they they themselves describe it as AAA for airplanes. Right, uh, and that's with their old friend Mike Bush. And it's it's in, in uh, and I'm not sure if it's a partnership, but in some sort of association with Mike Bush and his savvy aircraft maintenance operation. Um, and uh, the, I guess the way it's basically going to work, and I, I urge you to check out the Sporty's website for the details, but but basically the way it's going to work is similar to AAA. Uh, you, you buy an annual membership, and it gives you access to a, a network, of a support network, in the event that you are uh, some distance away from your home airport and you have troubles with your airplane. And you don't know a mechanic. So they'll help you find a mechanic who's reliable and, and, and just kind of help you through the process of, of getting home. And that's that's a very interesting program, I it's, think. It's, it's a very enlightened program, too, because, as you said, we've gone all these years without it. And having suffered a breakdown here and there in, in my own aircraft in the past, uh, there's always that little trepidation that the, the shop that you're working with is really up to speed on your airplane. Right. And what uh, Sporties and Mike are working on together, I think, will... Uh, for an annual membership, uh, I think they said forty nine dollars. I apologize if I got I, that wrong. It might have been more like one hundred and forty nine. Okay, might yeah, have been. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's you know, I mean, I, I think it's probably worth every dollar. The other thing that, uh, and other thing, because Sporty's announced a handful of, of new programs and initiatives, but the other one that's on my radar, for reasons that will become obvious, is uh, is a, an iPad app that they're about to, to release. Um, to give you the background here, um, Sporty's um, has been the focal point for a lot of digital media over the years. They do a lot of videos and blog posts and, and all sorts of training materials and whatnot, and they wanted a way to collect it all together to make it a little bit more accessible for people. And so they've decided to create an iPad app that they call Takeoff. And Takeoff will be free to download, and a lot of the material in it will be free. And then there'll also be a premium level where they'll have some more exclusive stuff um, available as well. Um, and, and among the free stuff is going to be a lot of their old blog posts and a lot of their old videos and, and just educational material and that sort of thing. And also among the free stuff will be uh, various third-party podcasts. And um, please Including dis- the world's only double award-winning podcast. That's right. The three uh, podcasts that will be part of Takeoff from the very beginning are the AvGeeks podcast, uh, Jason Miller's Finer Points podcast, and Uncontrolled Airspace. And we're very, very proud and pleased to be part of this whole thing. Um, we like Sporties a lot and, and, as an organization and as people, and uh, and we're very proud to be uh, be part of this thing from its rollout. So, uh, you know, watch for it. It's going to ship in the uh, iTunes store um, in, a, in a, they say a week or so, something like in the next, you know, a couple weeks um, it should appear in the iTunes store it's called Takeoff part of the Sporty's collection of iPad and iPhone apps and uh, and it's free to download and a lot of the stuff in it is free including our podcast and then there's some other stuff if you want to upgrade so uh, that's another announcement that was here this week yeah we were really happy to be involved in that uh, it was uh, uh, kind of a high point to be asked for permission for them to involve us with that and of course we said yes and we're looking forward to see the product hit the market yeah what else, David? I'm just, I've am just i got a big list here. We could go on for a long time. I'm trying to figure out what are the ones that we just shouldn't let escape here. Um, did you buy anything while you were here this week, David? I uh, bought a couple of T-shirts. Uh, uh, picked up uh, some. I uh, picked up a lot of press kits. Uh, but uh, T-shirts, when I'm not buying equipment, T-shirts are kind of my thing because you can come to these shows, like Sun and Fun in particular, and find a shirt that if you take it home and put it on the next time you go to the CAF coffee or the EAA chapter, uh, it uh, 
it'll be a shirt that you're not going to see the other kids on the block wear. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to getting home yeah. and showing those off. I did my usual grazing of the uh, various fly market places. Um, I love the little little the flea market booths where they've got all little doodads and tools and and whatnot. And so I. Uh, um, I bought all kinds of little things. I bought some, you saw some of the things. I bought some straps for helping me tie down things on my trailers, and I bought some tools. I bought that really cool uh, 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 cable tie puller thing so you can oh, make yeah, the sure. cable ties really tight. And I bought some other fun tools, and so uh, it was a good week for me in, in, in terms of bringing home a lot of little doodaddy things that I don't really yeah, the, need. The, the, so. the real high point for me this week has been uh, seeing so many old friends, making a few new ones. Uh, because as Lights mentioned, this is really about people. Some folks on the outside think it's about airplanes, but it's not. It's yeah. about the people and the planes. Well, they're just kind of an add, extra added bonus. That's right. Well, you always come. You always come the first time for the planes. You come back for the people. Absolutely, there you go. absolutely. Um, that voice we're joined, re, being rejoined now by uh, by our, our generous host here, Dave Shellbetter. Hi, David. How you doing? I am doing great. You know, we're reaching the end. Definitely reaching the end of our allotted time here, and uh, we, we don't want to run off here without thanking a whole bunch of people. Um, thank you to the folks who sat with us here on the deck this evening. John Leanouts, uh, the president and CEO of Sun and Fun, was really generous of him to take a few minutes and talk with us. Uh, Jamie Beckett uh, from AOPA and and uh, formerly the Polk County uh, Supervisors Board, or whatever that was called. Winter, uh, Winter Haven, but Winter, that's okay. Oh, was Close it really? Well, I thought it was the county. All right. Well, he was also a, a city commissioner or something, right. too. Yeah, right. So uh, Jamie was here. Royce Bice, Roy Bicewinger of uh, Sport Powered Flying was with us for a few minutes, and Tim Rettridge of uh, Sheets Airport. We thank them all for uh, for stopping by. Um, and, and as I say every time, and I really, really couldn't mean it more, uh, thank you to everyone here at Sun and Fun Radio for making us feel so at home throughout this week and for giving us a chance to abuse their deck uh, for a few minutes uh, a couple times a week and uh, and and at the heart of all that uh, is our, our good friend Dave Shellbetter. Thank you, David, for, for having us here and for uh, you know trusting us and giving us an opportunity and, and being such a good friend. Thank you. Well, thank you guys. And, and Jack, I need to say a super special thank you to you. Um, you we're here this week, and you kind of based yourself in the radio station, and you're my friend, and you're my brother, and I got yeah. no issue with that at all. But you paid your rent for this year and next year, and probably a few more, by going through. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I want you to know. If I you went ever, a little crazy. That's true. If yeah. you ever need your house no, no, cleaned, no, no. your spring cleaning, oh. that's Jack <laughs> at uncontrolledairspace.com. Jack went through and organized everything in the radio station I, I i haven't seen it this clean since the day we moved and it in, was so, honest with so you. interesting to see him in a maid's outfit <laughs> yeah and i know right i know yeah. i want to talk to you about the french made version hey, here that you one know? day jack you know i think it works jeb's not here nobody was no you know you had no adult supervision <laughs> oh wait a minute jeb being here doesn't mean anything i'm about sorry yeah you think jeb's the adult supervision <laughs> it was the apron and the little cap to really set him on right yeah well, so, guys, thank you. I, thank I hope you that too. you'll be back again next year. I hope so, too. And before I, I throw it back to you, let me say one, two more things. David, to remind us of something. Well, yeah. I mean, if you look at the crowd on the grounds here, it should be obvious. Time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. That's Bye-bye. absolutely right. And that's enough talking. Let's go flying. TTFN, MF. <laughs> Ta-ta for now, my friends. Thank you.